welcome to In the Word with Michelle Telfer. Thank you for joining us for this in-depth study of God's Word, the Bible. For more of Michelle's resources or to read her blog, visit her website at intheword.com. And now, Michelle. Father God, I pray that you would speak today and that I would not get in the way of what you plan to do. In Jesus' name, amen. In the last two weeks, we've been looking at what Scripture teaches us about the Holy Spirit. As the time of Christ's death on the cross approached, Jesus warned his disciples in John chapter 14 that he would soon be leaving them to return to his Father in heaven. Seeing their anxious and confused faces, he then comforted them, promising, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Christ promised that they would not be left to face life on their own without help. God would send them a paraclete. Like many Greek words, paraclete is very difficult to translate into English because there really isn't a perfect English equivalent. A paraclete was one who was called alongside to help and support. This single Greek word can be translated as helper, counselor, comforter, or advocate, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to us really encompasses all of those things. We learned earlier in the study that the Holy Spirit not only convicts us of sin, he purifies and renews us. He seals us as belonging to the Father, and he fills us with his power. He is our comforter, encourager, helper, and friend, guiding us along the paths that the Father would have us take. And more than that, he gives us spiritual gifts that equip us for service in God's kingdom. Really, embracing these gifts is part of becoming who God has created each of us to be. Interestingly, the Greek word for spiritual gifts is charismata, which comes from the root word charis, meaning grace. Spiritual gifts come from God and are really expressions of his grace, his unmerited favor to us. Paul reveals in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that spiritual gifts are given to each and every believer and that they are given for the common good. In other words, they're given so that the church can be strengthened and built up. They're not given to make any individual powerful or special, and they're not to be used to draw attention to oneself or to put on a showy display. In fact, that was part of the problem in the church at Corinth, where people were exercising their spiritual gifts in an unruly manner, to make much of themselves rather than make much of Christ. Their behavior resulted in chaos in the church services until Paul reminded them in chapter 13 that love is the greatest of all God's gifts and that even the most powerfully displayed spiritual gifts cannot glorify God as they are meant to if they are not used in love. In fact, he says that any gift used without love is like a harsh noise to God and the church. Or as Paul puts it in verses 1 to 3 of that chapter, 
If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul also made it clear in Romans chapter 12 that though all those who believe in Jesus are given gifts, we don't all receive the same ones. Verse 6 says that we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And the Apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, that each of us should use whatever gift we've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We'll study this in more depth in later lessons. I'm sure that some of you listening may be wondering if our talents are considered to be spiritual gifts. And while there are some similarities between the two, there really are some differences. Talents and spiritual gifts are similar in that they are both God-given and grow in effectiveness the more they are practiced and used. However, a talent might be the result of genetics and or training, while a spiritual gift is the result of the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. A talent can be possessed by anyone, Christian or non-Christian alike, whereas spiritual gifts are only possessed by those who have placed their faith in Christ and have been born again by the Holy Spirit. While both should be used for God's glory and to minister to others, spiritual gifts are uniquely focused on those tasks. They are given by the Holy Spirit for the strengthening of Christ's church, whereas talents can really be used for many purposes, good and bad. There are several passages in the New Testament that contain lists of the various gifts of the Spirit, we mentioned 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 verses 3 to 8, but I want us to look at another passage today. In Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13, Paul reveals five different gifts that were particularly important in the establishment of the New Testament church, and they're no less important today. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The five gifts mentioned here are sometimes called the office gifts because Paul presents them as offices or positions in the church at Ephesus that were occupied by specific people, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Both the gifts and those who had them were given to equip and build up God's people in the faith, to bring both unity and and maturity to the church. 
So let's look at each of them. The word apostle literally means one who is sent out. We think immediately of the 12 apostles, the ones chosen by Christ to be with him in his earthly ministry and to whom he said, so send I you. They were all uniquely gifted and uniquely prepared for the places that he sent them. We've seen this gift at work in the lives of Peter and Paul, who were willing to take the gospel to people who were not their own, who began new works and planted new churches throughout the known world of their time. Today, individuals with the gift of apostleship would likely be called missionaries, those who are sent out with the specific mission of proclaiming the gospel. These people serve as Christ's ambassadors, much like government ambassadors today advance the purposes of their home countries in other places. These individuals do the exact same thing for Christ's kingdom. Now, in a sense, all followers of Christ are called to be his ambassadors, to represent him wherever we are and to be willing to share the good news about him with others. However, those with this gift are sent out by the Holy Spirit to plant churches or to start works for the Lord where he is not known, crossing cultural, social and even language barriers to do so. If your heart is moved by the multitudes who have not heard of Christ, if you have the desire to take the gospel to people with different beliefs, cultures and backgrounds to you and establish churches among them, you very may well have the gift of apostleship. The next spiritual gift that Paul mentions in the passage from Ephesians 4 is that of prophecy. In the New Testament, people with this gift would either foretell God's future plan for the church or they would communicate a specific message from him to individuals or groups. For example, in Acts 21, the prophet Agabus foretold that Paul would be arrested by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans, which in fact did happen. We're also told in that same chapter that Philip the evangelist had four unmarried daughters who prophesied, and though none of their messages are recorded for us, it was well known that the Holy Spirit worked through them in that particular way. However, accuracy is absolutely vital in the use of this particular spiritual gift. Scripture reveals as far back as Deuteronomy 18 verse 22 that if what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. And if you were the prophet whose words didn't come true, woe to you. The prophetic gift today is more often about communicating God's word in a way that reveals his will and prompts people to respond to the Lord's voice. People with this gift at times have such insights from scripture concerning issues or people that they feel compelled to speak out. This is a gift that I believe the Holy Spirit has given to me, 
And though it's more usually seen in my preaching and teaching, there have been a handful of occasions when the Holy Spirit has impressed upon my heart a specific message to deliver to others. This is not as strange as it might sound, so let me give you an example. I once served on a discipleship team at a church that wanted to equip their members to reach more people and expand the church's influence in the city. In the words of our team leader, our job was to discern how God wanted to take the city for Christ. One afternoon, it was decided that we should spend some time in quiet prayer together to seek God's direction on what might be limiting the church's effectiveness. We were then to come back together again and share whatever the Lord had put on our hearts. As I prayed, I felt the Lord clearly put on my heart to reveal to the team the words, Your city is like the city of Ai. It seemed like such a strange thing to say, and I could see confused looks around the table when I shared it. So I explained that when Joshua led the people into the promised land, they had great success when they fought against Jericho. They'd obeyed the Lord's command, and Jericho's walls collapsed in spectacular fashion. So when they got to the city of Ai, they believed they would overcome it as easily as they had taken Jericho, but they failed miserably and were horrified when their army was badly defeated. Joshua inquired of the Lord as to why the Israelites had not been able to take the city, and God revealed that it was because of disobedience. It turned out that when Jericho fell, one of Joshua's men had broken God's strict instructions. God had commanded the soldiers to take nothing for themselves from the rubble of Jericho, yet one man by the name of Achan had disobeyed God's command. He'd taken a costly robe as well as silver and gold from Jericho and he'd buried it under the floor of his tent. God revealed that they had not been successful in their objective because of Achan's sin. His message for those of us at the meeting that day was the same. We would not be able to take our city until secret sin was dealt with. People sat in silence around the table for a while, and there was some discussion as to what the robe and the silver and the gold might represent in our present circumstance. I was not sure, but I found myself saying, if God says this city is like AI and that we're not seeing success because of sin, then he will surely reveal the man who has taken something into his tent that was not his. Just a few weeks later, the elders of the church called a meeting, and when the discipleship team leader asked me what I thought it might be about, I said, I think God is going to reveal the sin and the man who took that which did not belong to him. I want you to know that I had no idea what that really meant in the situation, but at that meeting, the elders revealed that the senior pastor of the church had been engaged in an affair. He'd taken someone else's wife into his tent and he was removed from his position. 
In my own experience, these incidents of insight are rare. They're not based on any prior knowledge, rumor, or supposition. And in this particular instance, I did not even know what the message meant before God revealed it to everyone. I can tell you it isn't always a comfortable gift to have. And as I've said before, it happens rarely. But the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing and we can follow his lead. So if what I've shared sounds rather familiar to you, if you sometimes feel that you have a message that must be delivered to others, or you have spiritual insights from scripture concerning issues and people that you feel compelled to share, you may have the spiritual gift of prophecy. However, I would just warn though, this isn't an excuse to express our opinions and it should never be undertaken lightly. The next spiritual gift mentioned by Paul in Ephesians 4 is that of evangelism. Now, although we're all called to share the good news about Jesus Christ with others, there are those who will be far more gifted in that area. We previously mentioned Philip, the evangelist, in our study. He'd originally served in Jerusalem alongside Stephen, helping to feed those of the church who were in need. But after Stephen was martyred, a great persecution broke out and all the believers, except the apostles, were driven out of the city. While many thought the persecution and the scattering of the church was a bad thing, it proved to be just the opposite. The word spread even more. Philip went to Samaria and because of his preaching, a great revival broke out. But the Holy Spirit had another assignment for Philip. He directed him to leave Samaria and go to a certain spot on the road that went from Jerusalem to Gaza. It just happened that an Ethiopian eunuch was passing by on that road and the Holy Spirit told Philip to go up to his chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to him. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Beginning with the very passage of scripture the eunuch was reading, Philip began to tell the official the good news about Jesus. And the eunuch believed and was baptized right there by the road. Philip possessed a special ability to communicate the truth of salvation to others, no matter where he was or who he was with. He seems to have felt at ease sharing from the scriptures in a way that led this man to salvation. And if you see similar traits in yourself, if you like to speak about Jesus to those who do not yet know him, and if others are responding to your witness, you may well have this gift too. In our text in Ephesians 4, Paul continues mentioning the pastors or shepherds, those who take care of God's people, his sheep. Those equipped with a pastoral or shepherding gift have a God-given ability to help others grow in their faith. They look out for the spiritual welfare of others, seeking to help them become more obedient disciples of Christ 
and more effective in their own ministries. Now, a good example in the New Testament of this gift in action is found in Acts 18, where we learn of a certain couple named Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila were used by God to help with various churches over the course of their lifetime. But in Acts 18, we find them living in Ephesus, where they had a specific interaction with a man by the name of Apollos. Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Apollos was a very sincere man. He was fervent in his preaching and he was accurate up to a point. But he only knew about John the Baptist's baptism of repentance that prepared people for the coming Messiah. He had not fully understood all that Jesus had accomplished in his death and resurrection and he knew nothing of the Holy Spirit who had come in power. Aquila and Priscilla immediately realized that there were gaps in his knowledge. As those with a shepherding gift, they gently took him into their home and there they explained the gospel to him more fully, helping Apollos to become even more effective in the ministry to which God had called him. He eventually went on to Corinth and he became one of the most influential teachers in that city. Although the scripture is clear, there is the office or position of pastor in a church. And though Peter and Paul both speak of special qualifications and special responsibilities that go with that office, I just want to point out that this gift is not limited to paid staff members in any church. We all are called to love and care for our brothers and sisters, and some who are mightily gifted by the Holy Spirit in this way never have the official title of pastor. In a similar manner, though we may not all consider ourselves to be teachers of God's word, we are still called to pass on what we know of his word to others. However, it's obvious that there are some in the church who are especially equipped in this way, and we all benefit from their ministry. So how would you know if you've received one of these last two gifts? People with pastoring gifts sense the spiritual need of others and have both the desire and the ability to help them grow in their faith. They're able to give spiritual direction in a way that helps people to become more obedient disciples of Christ. Those with the gift of teaching usually not only have the ability to teach others, they have a strong desire to help others understand God's truth. They're willing to study and prepare for the task of teaching others, and most importantly, when they do explain scripture, it comes across in a very clear and uncomplicated manner. 
a manner that people can understand and put into practice. They truly make a difference in the lives of those they teach. I want to give you a final encouragement as you think about discerning your spiritual gifts. Look first at what you really care about when it comes to serving the Lord. A strong desire or passion often indicates our area of gifting, but not always. It's important to look at what happens as you exercise the gift. Is there the fruit that Paul mentioned in Ephesians 4? Are people helped, encouraged, brought to the faith and maturity? But you need to be patient too because, you know, your spiritual gift may take time to develop. Certain gifts will only become evident over time as we seek God in prayer and begin to practice them. The more we exercise our gifts, the more they grow. The more we walk in our gifting, the more it becomes a part of who we are. I know that I've really grown as a Bible teacher over the years. I can see that as I've depended more and more upon God to give me the words to say, people have come to connect better with the scriptures because of it. I can assure you that if something really is a spiritual gift, though, in some way it will be beyond any natural ability or desire you may have, because then the glory really will go to God alone. This has been our first look at the various spiritual gifts what they are and how we might begin to discern their presence in our lives. You won't want to miss next week as we look at the gifts of service or helps, encouragement, giving, leadership and mercy. Until then, be praying about these things and ask the Holy Spirit to make himself known to you that you might serve Christ with your whole heart and life. Let's pray. Father God, it is our desire to function as you wish. Lord, equip us, build us up in our faith and our ability to risk in this way. Lord, help us to step out of the boat when it comes to exercising our spiritual gifts. And may it all be to the praise and glory of Christ's name alone. It is in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to In the Word with Michelle Telfer. Join us next week as we continue our study from God's Word, the Bible. For more of Michelle's resources, visit her website at intheword.com.